0: Talk 1110-993-WBT, The Pete Callender Show. Hour number three, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, where I am sorry I forgot to read the email about the up Talkers. I said I was going to, and then I didn't. I sincerely apologize. So I will read it right now. This comes from Dan. Because earlier, in the last hour, I talked about uh, the speech patterns and how it's just something that my brain hears. And maybe because I'm in radio, because I'm in broadcast, or maybe I'm in radio because I hear these things. I don't know. What's the chicken? What's the egg? I don't care. But uh, I hear these things. And I recognize patterns and the like. And so one of the things that I noticed and I cited Sean Hannity as an example is the 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 way people talk and they constantly leave their uh, their tone in an elevated state at the end of the sentence. And so at the end of the sentence, it always sounds like they're getting ready to say something else, even though they've completed the thought. But they still sound like they have something else to say, and oftentimes lets you not off the hook. You get the idea. You you have to bring the audience back down. You, you got to like punch the word, have a period and take the tone down to end the sentence. Okay. So that was the, that, that's where this started. And I was actually talking about originally Ted Budd's speech, his victory speech. And he had some speech patterns that were going on, the cadence and, and the like, that was kind of stiff and seemed rehearsed. And he, even though he's reading it off of the script and he, he wasn't punching the right words. And I get it, ticky tack, nitpicking, whatever, but this is the stuff that sticks out to me. All right. Um, so Dan says Pete, as a broadcast journalism major in Illinois in the 70s, I had a psychology professor who believed that up talkers, like the example cited with Sean Hannity, which by the way, Ted Budd didn't do the up talking. I just want to make that clear. He did other things, but the up talking is what Hannity does. And so apparently the psych professor said that generally speaking, up-talkers are not well-versed or are unconfident and insecure with their position on a particular topic. He contended that up-talking usually betrayed the speaker's confidence in whatever they were saying. He pointed out that their pitched-up ellipses at the ends of the sentences seemed to imply, wouldn't you agree? That's interesting. I have not heard that before. Up talker uh, up talkers and up talking um, indicates lack of confidence in your position. Interesting. Um, Chris Cole says, I was glad about the result from North Carolina district 11. Cawthorn has the same childish egomania that plagued the Trump administration. That's from Chris uh, on the Twitter machine. I mentioned the sheriff's race here in Mecklenburg County. Very disappointing. I agree. Um, There was also the, oh, wrong page here. The DA, Mecklenburg County District Attorney Spencer Merriweather, earned a second four-year term with a landslide win in the Democratic primary over Charlotte attorney Tim Emery, a former public defender and community activist who ran far to the left of the incumbent, on most criminal justice issues, I want to be clear here, folks. We're not saying that Tim Emery is a far left candidate. There's no such thing as a far left candidate. There are far right candidates, arch conservatives, uh, MAGA king, um, yeah, far uh, or, or, or uh, extremists, far right extremists. Right? We have all of those types of. Uh, descriptors, but far-left candidates do not exist, even if you run far to the left of a moderate Democrat, (laughs) even then. There are no Republicans in that race, and that means Meriwether remains the top prosecutor in the state's largest local criminal justice system. He was appointed to the Post in 2017. He won his first four-year term a year later, reports Michael Gordon at the Charlotte Observer. He returns to an office facing challenging times. The two-year pandemic shut down the courts for nine months. That led to an only partial reopening while also depleting Meriwether's prosecutorial staff. The widespread uh, outbreak of COVID-19 across Charlotte-Mecklenburg also coincided with a surge in violent crime. Completely coincidental. One is not related to the other, I'm sure. Some 350 defendants in Mecklenburg have been charged in pending murder cases alone. Did you know that? 350 defendants in Mecklenburg County charged in pending murder cases right now. And the wait for a trial, the average, according to Michael Gordon's piece, is about five years. Meriwether, 44, has been a moderate career prosecutor who also has been involved in several of the county's major criminal justice reforms. He interpreted his victory as an endorsement by voters of his dual plans to help reform the courts while protecting public safety. Yes. Yes, seems like that's what's happening. Definitely. Meriwether, the son of Alabama public educators, is the county's first African-American D.A., He said he became a prosecutor in part because, quote, I knew what it felt like to be treated inequitably by the government because of my race. He has also been a visible partner to ongoing efforts by the Mecklenburg courts to address racial and economic biases in the courtroom and the first DA in the state to create a diversity and inclusion team to examine the treatment of defendants and crime victims alike. But Emory who is a white man, by the way, repeatedly attempted to paint Meriwether as a tool of a corrupt and racist system geared more towards mass incarceration of minority defendants rather than achieving justice. Guys, first off, I know you're used to yelling and screaming at other white people about like the racist system and such, But white dudes, it's really not a good look to tell black people that they're yeah that they're part of the systemic racism, right? And you're going to save them. That you're going to you're going to fix this racist system as the white guy. You're going to do that for them. It's just not a good look. I know your heart's in the right place, but I'm I'm just you know just doesn't look. It's like Gary McFadden, our illustrious sheriff, who accuses. His two black Democrat opponents of working for the good old boy racist system. Yeah. And being in uh, being in league with them. Definitely a white savior syndrome. Same thing with that guy BK McGinnis that we interviewed the other day uh, that was trying to beat. Oh, by the way. Yeah, he got he got shellacked um, in the Democrat U.S. Senate primary. Same thing. He's going to try to block a black woman from becoming the first. Black female U.S. Senator of North Carolina, but he's going to do it for her own good, you see, because he's all about diversity and inclusion. That's why you got to elect him, not her. All right. That's the deal. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. All right. So we got a call from Tim, but Tim did not want to come on the air with me because he said I tear him up. But Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, fair point. Um, <laughs> but he said, Tim said, to Bernie, and Bernie relayed this to me. Now, Tim, we're not making this a habit. All right, I'm not going to let this become a habit. You don't, get to, you don't get to use Bernie as a heat shield or meat shield here to take the incoming from me if you call in to say something that's kind of silly which this was, so this is the last time I'm going to do it for you, Tim. But Tim said that there has to be something to Madison Cawthorn's lie about the cocaine and orgies and all that. And the reason why Tim believes there has to be something to it is because Trump would not have recommitted to Madison Cawthorn days before the contest. All right. That is like, to quote uh, the philosopher Lisa Simpson, uh, that is like me holding this rock and saying, I have not been attacked by a tiger. Therefore, this rock must protect me from being attacked by tigers. Do you get the point there? One is not at all related to the other. They're not at all related. There isn't anything. Donald Trump didn't sit there and say, well, you know what? I have heard about some of these Coke-fueled orgies. So Madison, he's trying to take some people down. So that's why I'm going to recommit. No. Trump didn't want to be wrong, and Cawthorn looked like he could pull it out. All right. Uh, let me re- rephrase that. Uh, Cawthorne looked like he could win. He could still win, right? That he could. Yeah. So that's why Trump recommitted. That's it. There was also the story that came out in the Rolling Stone magazine that talked about how Trump was telling people that he found some of Cawthorn's behavior to be gross. Bleeping gross as a matter of fact, but it's Rolling Stone, so I can't trust it. But if Donald Trump is following the news and we know he does, so maybe that's why he did it. But no, it's not it's not that there has to be something to it. If you know you know how you, look, first off, do I have any doubt that orgies occur in DC? I have no doubt. Okay? I have no doubt that occurs. I have no doubt that people do coke. Really, I don't. Does it does not surprise me. It's going on everywhere, I'm sure. But if Madison Cawthorn is accusing his mentors, he's accusing people in the Republican Party of doing this, then he should say who they are. And he's got seven months to do it. We'll see. Um, what else was there? The oh, right. So let me get to this. The uh, the judicial races. First off, do you know who got more votes? Who was the top votainer? Not vote getter, please, please. I am begging you for the love of me. Please use the word votainer. Not vote getter. Vote getter is a terrible term. Terrible vote getter. It's a mouthful. It's difficult to say. It backs up the T sound right up against the G sound. So you got vote getter right there. It's just it's it's just an ugly word. Ugly. So votainer. Let's use votainer. Maybe I'll make up some bumper stickers. So anyway, you know who got more votes than anybody else running a statewide campaign? It's not Ted Budd. It was not. Let me see here. I don't believe either it was uh, Sherry Beasley. who, by the way, remember, uh, for all the folks that think she's going to win in the uh, statewide U.S. Senate race here, remember, she didn't even beat newbie. She couldn't even beat a newbie. Anyway, um, <laughs> Paul Newby. Yeah, she lost to him. So you really think she's gonna she's gonna perform very well? I know the dynamics are going to be different, but just something to keep in mind. No, the person who got more votes statewide than any other candidate was Michael Stadding, the guy we had in here, yeah. Mint Hill guy, running for the uh, North Carolina Court of Appeals against Charlton Allen. Who got 192,000 votes? That's no, that's nothing to sneeze at. But Stadding picked up 466,000 votes statewide. Ted Budd had 445. So Stadding had 11,000 more votes than Ted Budd did. Now, granted, there was more people uh, in Ted Budd's primary, so you know votes got spread out among those other candidates and all. But by comparison, Charlton Allen actually got more votes than Pat McCrory did. Yeah. So there you go. Other judicial races. Trey Allen beat April Wood. This was kind of interesting. And by kind of, I mean, really Um, April Wood is already a judge. April Wood's already on the court of appeals. This was for um, the Supreme Court seat, a Supreme Court seat uh, that is being left open by a retiring Democrat. So Trey Allen doesn't really have any judicial experience. He's a former UNC Chapel Hill law school professor, currently serves as general counsel for the administrative office of the courts, the AOC, not that AOC, the administrative office of the courts. He's the lawyer. Allen has won the endorsement of leading Republicans, including Senate leader, Phil Berger, state Senator Paul Newton from Cabarrus County. Meanwhile, April Wood, is a court of appeals judge. So what's the deal there? Why would the Republicans throw all of their support, and he won with 55% of the vote, Trey Allen instead of a judge on the court of appeals? One of the things I heard was they did not want Roy Cooper replacing her. If If she wins in November... Then it opens up that seat on the court of appeals and Cooper gets to appoint the replacement and Cooper's a Democrat. She's a Republican. We have the, uh, North Carolina Supreme court state Supreme court first race, Trey Allen, Victoria Prince, April Wood. three people. Trey Allen won this race. Allen, former UNC Chapel Hill law school professor. April Wood is a court of appeals judge. Currently, um, there's no primary for the other open seat that is on the Supreme court. Um, Two Court of Appeals judges, Republican Richard Dietz and Lucy Inman, who is a Democrat, they're going to run for that seat uh, in November. Uh, That one's already settled. That is the seat that's being vacated by uh, the current Justice Robin Hudson. She's a Democrat. She's not running because if she were to run and win, she would turn 72 during that term. And in North Carolina you have to retire at age 72. You're not allowed to keep... uh, Now, they'll bring you back, and you could do, like, some side gigs, some side work, you know, but once you turn 72, you got to retire off the bench. No, there's no... As far as I know, there's no effort to make that apply to lawmakers, just the judges. This was an interesting... um, This was a bit of an interesting uh, storyline, though, between... These judges, uh, Trey Allen and to do April Wood. Let me see here. I'm trying to, because I've got. Then there was, because there was this other race, which was between uh, Beth Freshwater Smith and, hang on, I got the results over here, and uh, Donna Stroud. And this is for Court of Appeals seat, and Stroud won handily. But that was another sort of uh, intriguing backstory. North Carolina Supreme Court could swing from Democrat to Republican control. Right now it is four to three. And with these two seats, the one that's being vacated by the woman, the justice that's turning 72. So that's an open seat. She's a Democrat. So now open seat. Anybody can win. No incumbent. The other one, that's Sam Irvin's seat. He's in that seat right now, and he's a Democrat. And so we shall see uh, the campaign as it proceeds uh, going into November. Two of the seven seats are up for election, as I just mentioned. If we flip both of them off of Democrats, then the court becomes Republican-controlled 5-2. to do, 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 Do some of the political cases that are either before the court now or could be soon? Voter ID redistricting whether specific actions taken by the legislature are legitimate or not. This is the usurper legislature argument that the NAACP is making and basically uh, demanding that we throw out the court throws out every law that the general assembly has made because they were elected using maps that were ruled to be unconstitutional. Um, What's the other case? Uh, Felon voting rights. School funding with the Leandro case, right? These are eight-year terms. David Larson, writing at uh, carolinajournal.com, talks about the Court of Appeals. You got uh, Judge Donna Stroud. She picked up a primary challenger, Judge Beth Freshwater-Smith. She's a district court judge, who lost, by the way. Uh, Stroud is the chief judge of the Court of Appeals. And before that, she was an associate judge. Freshwater Smith has served as a district judge since 2016. And before that, she was a prosecutor and in private practice. So what happened? Uh, This goes to, hang on a second. This is McClatchy, Carly Brousseau, and Will Duran talking about the Freshwater Smith and Stroud race. With support from several of North Carolina's most powerful lawmakers Smith is running against Stroud. The race has been marked by aggressive political tactics, flows of dark money, and an unusual and some say problematic degree of involvement from sitting Supreme Court justices. In addition to the Republican lawmakers, who are some of her biggest political donors, Freshwater Smith has outside PAC support that's funded indirectly by the Republican State Leadership Committee. That is a national group focused on increasing GOP power in state legislatures. So, what happened? Stroud cited Jesse Helms as her political hero when she first ran for office in 2004. She served as a district court judge before being elected to the Court of Appeals in 2006. She was later reelected without any opposition. She ascended to chief judge, Amid a series of recounts in a close race between former Chief Justice Sherry Beasley and current Chief Justice Paul Newby, and remember, Newby ran against Beasley because Newby thought that he should have been named Chief Justice because that's what had been done in the past. You get you, you take the senior, the most senior member, and you make them the Chief Justice. But Roy Cooper ignored that instead wanting the historic nomination, making Sherry Beasley the chief justice. So Newby was like, that's not the way we've always done it. And so he ran and beat her. (laughs) Freshwater Smith, a longtime prosecutor, has served as a district court judge since uh, 2016. But here's the thing. She's been a lifelong registered Republican, but she hasn't always silently assented to... GOP lawmakers proposals for changes to the court. You remember this in 2017, the legislature said, you know what? We should shrink the court of appeals from 15 seats down to 12. Because remember they were, they were fighting with Cooper over the makeup of the judiciary. And the Democrats have been, you know, using this strategy of Sue till blue. They can't get their priorities and agenda in the legislature and they refuse to work with Republicans on any kind of compromise and so they just sue and they they judge shop, they find Democrat judges that will rule in their favor and that's how they work through. The problem has been they get to the Court of Appeals and the Court of Appeals is predominantly Republicans like 10 out of the 15 and so they get stymied there which is why they've now started this practice of uh, taking the cases out of the Court of Appeals and just pushing them right to the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court And that's why these judicial races matter. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Congratulations, by the way, to Heath from Rock Hill. He won the second pair of Dave Matthews band tickets. It's going to Dave Matthews on uh, Friday night. There you go. Uh, We're talking about the judicial races in North Carolina that were decided or the primary races were decided uh, last night on the Republican side. You had Trey Allen beating April Wood uh, by uh, a good, what, 20 points. Uh, That was for a uh, for a Supreme Court seat. And then you've got a court of appeals seat. Donna Stroud is the incumbent. She's the chief and uh, chief judge and. She picked up a challenger from Beth uh, in the in the way of Beth Freshwater Smith who was backed by a lot of the Republican leadership. She has acknowledged that she was recruited to run by judicial and legislative leaders, but she has declined to name them. McClatchy reporting the other day, by the way, this is who do I have a name here? Yeah, Carly Brousseau and Will Duran. Uh, records show that $4,000 flowed from Phil Berger Jr., who is a Supreme Court justice, flowed from his NC for Justice political action committee less than a week after the PAC was formed. The ad posted on the group's Facebook page calls Donna Stroud a rhino and, quote, the liberal choice for the Court of Appeals. The decision... By powerful Republicans to try to unseat Stroud stems, at least in part, from who was appointed to be the clerk of the Court of Appeals. That is a plum job, which I don't know why. Why is it plum? Why not cherry or banana? What's up with the plum? Are plums that good? I don't even like plums. Maybe that's why. Anyway, sorry, I'm down a rabbit hole. This is a plum administrative job, according to screenshots of Private Conversations. Among Republicans, somebody gave screenshots of private conversations to the McClatchy reporters. Eugene Soar, a longtime court employee who changed his party registration to unaffiliated from Democrat back in October of '09, was awarded the gig. Some Republicans were upset that a majority of Court of Appeals judges voted to name a clerk who was not a Republican when there are twice the number of Republican judges on the court as Democrats. That's what this stems from? From 2009? This is, we are to believe this is an 11-year-old grudge? In Facebook messages that were circulated among attorneys, Berger told Republican activists that Stroud, quote, whipped the votes and shut out qualified Republican candidates, some who have worked for years in GOP politics. The messages say that an attorney who clerked for Berger and two other Court of Appeals judges was among those passed over. And so that's what got her the challenge. See, people want to think... People want to think that sometimes, like, these these races are about philosophy or they're about... You know, call to serve and that sort of... Sometimes it really is just pettiness. For example, Roy Cooper, our old pal Governor Roy Cooper, Uh yeah, he got his pound of flesh taking out Kirk DeVere, fellow Democrat, fellow white male Democrat. Roy Cooper, playing the role of white savior, martyr complex, saying we need to get rid of Kirk DeVere because he's a white guy and we need a black female in that seat, in that state Senate seat. And so... He got into the Democrat primary and backed a challenger, Val Applewhite, backed her over Kirk Devere. This is the district, uh, Senate District 19 down uh, covers Fayetteville. And we all know the reason why he actually, Cooper, actually got involved here. It wasn't that he's like the diversity and inclusion governor, although I guess he kind of is to some degree. But he, uh, no, he's he's trying to protect his veto power. And he's trying to send a message to every other Democrat in the state legislature. Don't you dare work with those evil Republicans against anything that I want. Do not side with the Republicans. Do not back a budget unless I say so. That's the kicker on this, too, is that DeVere was targeted because he agreed with the Republicans on the state budget. He worked with them to get stuff for his district, and then they and then he got he voted for it. He voted for the budget. And that so angered Roy Cooper, who had never approved a budget in his entire time as governor, right? Blocked every single pay raise, every single teacher pay raise. He blocked them all. He he has blocked everything until this last budget. And then he signed it. He signed the last budget. So he So he voted for the budget that Kirk DeVere voted for, too. But Kirk DeVere got taken out. That's how Roy Cooper operates. But congratulations to Applewhite. It's a solid Democrat district. She'll win for sure. Brett Winterbull coming up next. Stick around. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.